January 20, 2021. It's a lot for Pedro's show. Such desire 
every kiss you give sets my soul on fire. I give myself in sweet surrender. My one and only love. My
Off of Pedro Show, happy Wednesday. Uh, started off with my one and only love, John Coltrane with Johnny Hartman. And then the Culver City Dub Collective, New Light. And that's with a K, people. <laughs> Brother Matt at the Love Grotto here at Pedro at the Pleasure Point because we're still in quarantino mode. But I am not totally man alone because those Skype engineers in Estonia with their invention... I got Mr. Adam Topo with me. Hey, Adam, welcome aboard. Hey, man, it's great to be here. Mike Watt, dude. <laughs> and what, you're in SoCal, right? You're uh, talking to me from what part? Um, Venice Beach, California. Okay, so this Culver City, you're not too far away from there. No, no. In fact, um, <clears throat> we kind of started that, that project, Culver City Dub Collective, at my friend's house. Um, in Culver City, and it was like a little bit of an inside joke because, you know, we're so far away from Kingston, and we didn't want to try to front. You know, we have so much respect for the whole tradition of, you know, the Lee Perry, Cox and Dodd, all those people. So we thought if we put Culver City Dub Collective in the name, people would clearly, <laughs> people would clearly know that we're not trying to pretend like we're you know, we're from Jamaica or whatever, and that we're just showing love and respect for for that whole path in our own kind of regional way. So that was the whole point. That's really kind of you to do. Uh, what about Opie and those guys in Strong Beach? They they, they, they kind of put that in their name too, uh, after Sublime. Yeah, most right. definitely. And, and you know what, man? I was just talking to, I did a podcast two days ago with, with, um, you saw the drummer from this group called Pepper. And we really went into that too, because, you know, he's, he's really into reggae and dub and, and so many of my friends, you know, through the mighty fishbone and a bunch of other bands that, that, you know, Hepcat, Joey Altruda, that got into the Caribbean reggae, ska, rock steady, mento thing. We all, you know, just respected what they were doing in Jamaica so much. And, and we both talked about how, of course, you want to respect the originators and, and respect the art form. But it is kind of cool how, not just with reggae, but with so many different styles, how, you know, you can, you can love and respect the creators and maybe in a cool way do a regional version of it that, that, still shows how much you love it, but has its own take. And you're so right. Long Beach did, did some really great stuff with those influences, but made it its own. You know, that was something deeply inspiring about all those guys. I, I, I get what you're saying is like kind of Adam, the founders lay a foundation to be like a springboard, uh, a launch pad for you guys to let your freak flag fly. There it is. There it is. Now, to, to lead it back to your story, which I know I've heard you speak on, on Mark Marin, and I've, I've watched some um, biographical content about your band and your story. And what I've always admired about, about you guys is that you kind of created your own thing out of a vacuum. You know, when I hear your music, it just, I couldn't really say, oh, man, I would point towards this lineage or that. It felt like you guys were doing something very original, 
Very cool. And that's that's a high bar. I mean, you know, artistically speaking. I got to tell you, I saw Family Man, uh, you know, uh, Barrett, 1979 with Bob Marley. I mean, I I got influences too. Bootsy, uh, James Jamerson, big time. Uh, Larry Graham. Mm-hmm. Can we can we get into your music story? What, what's your earliest, Adam? What's your earliest musical memory? You know, oh, and I have to stop saying you know so much. It's a tick of mine. So bust me if I say it too much. Uh, <laughs> Send I'm you from, to the valley, <laughs> right? I'm from Reno, Nevada, and we were pretty we were pretty cut off from from culture. I didn't go to Hollywood High School or whatever, so we didn't have much, but. Uh, I remember my dad being a very interesting guy, very artistic. He's from Sheepshead Bay, Brooklyn, and really had a big a heart, a soulful heart. So he was getting us into, oh my gosh, you know, James Brown, and and he was playing us jazz records and, and rock and roll and whatever fun song, he'd go buy us the record. So, you know, when you're little... You're open to whatever. So Huey Lewis in the news. I'm like, Dad, I like that song. And he'd bring the song and we'd listen to it and we'd dance around. But he was he was quick to to take my friends and me and when uh, and and one of the Reno floor shows when Santana came through town. And I think that was my first official live gig. Yeah. And we were blown away. And but it was in Reno, man. We didn't we just had no cultural reference. But you know, there was a punk scene there. Uh very small, and they call it Skino, like uh, skating. And, mm-hmm. and and I remember playing there in a basement because there was no real club. I, mm-hmm. I know what you're talking about, uh, kind of sc- a scarce thing. In the pad you grew up, you know, with your pop, was there any drums? Was there any instruments? Well, you know, there was – I said it again. There were instruments. There were Better yet, Mike, we didn't have any mask club or there's no cool – punk rock lineage or whatever i didn't get that stuff but we would go to a restaurant and there would be cover bands and to this day i i I don't make fun of cover bands at all i love them because it exposes people with innocent kind of hearts to to music so i would go to we'd go to these little restaurants and we'd see these bands playing cover songs and there would be a drum set mike and it's it's such an interesting thing it's a contraption you put it together. Ah, oh, the trap drum. kit. Yeah, contraption. It's a contraption. So between seeing these cover bands up in Reno and Tahoe and watching the drummers set things up and play, that that notion really chose me. Uh, I think I remember you talking about with the bass. Was it that you were assigned the bass by your friends or did it? Did yeah, it- D-Boo's Ma. <laughs> We were 12. I didn't know what a bit, you know, it was arena rock. So it was hard to tell what was what, right? The guys were so tiny and the sound was so bad. But his ma, Margie Boone, she said every band had a bass. So you be on that, okay? (laughs) So I didn't even know what it was. It stuck, right? Oh, yeah. I'm I'm so grateful to her. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And same same thingy. The drums really stuck. Uh, In my case... I just became so enamored with music. The drum set was a, was just a medium just to get in there and, and get even closer. You could buy a tape or a record, or better yet, you, you set this thing up 
and you can actually get in with the people playing it. I <laughs> jump today, on and ride, <laughs> right? With a G, like on a guitar neck. I don't know how you guys do it, man. With the G, C, and D, and pressing your fingertips into frets, then you get into modalities, and then you get into this key has this many sharps and flats. It's so. Oh yeah, we got that on the bass, but in a lot of ways. Even though it looks like a guitar, you work it kind of like a drum. The closest note on stage is that kick drum. Yeah. What about at school? Were you in the choir or the marching band or shit like that? Dude, I wish I was. I wish I was because I've seen so many great drummers who had the wisdom to maybe keep an open mind with symphonic or with the direction of a band leader or with marching band. I just didn't. Oh, yeah, yeah. I read about Billy Cobham with the drum corps in New York City. Yeah. Where they, they held, first they start with quarters, hold them on the bulkhead with a paradiddle, and then they go down to dimes. <laughs> yeah. 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 And a lot of my friends have prodigious technique from, from just being good students, but I never was. You know, drumming for me was my way out of academia or direction. Sure, sure. There's no yeah, problem. Okay. That's okay. I think that's very valid, though, Adam, also. When did you get your first drum set and how? Well, back to my dad, uh, there was a there was a I wanted to play the drums and I went and talked to a couple drummers. And, and of course, wisely so. They were like, no, man, he should get a practice pad first and he's got to learn his rudiments and get a metronome. And my dad is a bit of a sort of a, a iconoclast, like a rebel. Yeah. He was like, nah, man. And he was just a generous guy. And we found this little music shop that had this this, this drum set, you know, and uh, a white pearl drum set. And he Peter Chris, pearl. Heck yeah. <laughs> Heck yeah. And, and immediately, of course, this was in the 70s. So the bottom heads came right off. Oh, yeah. Concert tops. Running, man. Yeah, that was concert it. Concert tops. Yes. Because those guys would play fucking auditoriums and arenas with no monitors. Yeah. You see Mitch Mitchell, you know, just playing his fucking brains out. Believe it. Yes. You're seeing there's so much early Hendrix footage. And those guys, there's no rug under the drum set. No no riser. There's like plywood. They just set their stuff up on plywood in front of. You know, Ronnie, Ron Ashton told me he saw them. the experience play a little club called the fifth dimension in Ann Arbor. Uh-huh. This is early on. And there's maybe 90 people at the gig and, uh, Mitch Mitchell's got two buckets or one on each side. One's got the Budweiser's and the other one's for him to puke in every couple of tunes. <laughs> and he said, no one would come up to the front of the stage. So he did. And right in front of Jimmy, he was wearing like a band marching band suit and shit. And just, yeah, it's, it's trippy about the, uh, can can I ask you? Did you get into the garage band, uh, bedroom band, uh, basement band? You know, with your friends at school. Definitely, definitely. Like, don't you think? Like, again, I've heard your story. It was just so cool, and we had our own version of that, and it was like summertime fun. We play all these covers. I went to a my experience. My road is a little different than yours, Mike. I went to a boarding school, and. I got exposed to your bands, uh, some of the Southern California punk rock stuff, some of the London punk rock stuff. At at the time, groups like the the Specials, 
and the selector were out. You know, oh, yeah. reggae two, was two tone, two tone. Reggae was doing stadium work and and things like that. So when we go home for the summer, we would certainly set up and and try to run through those tunes and get those those sounds. And it was a different era then because we didn't have YouTube or instructional videos or <laughs> no, no. websites dedicated to how they sonically did this or that. You just sort of have to guess at it. Right, right. Believe me, I know. Look, you got a project here called The Living Room, and you guys did a kind of a – but it ain't a cover. It's a, it's like a, a version. Like you guys made it your own. Uh, Ace of Spades. Let's play it. Yeah.
I believe we are superheroes in writhing amnesia, riddled by arrows bound to a lie, blind to the abyss, our wings torn with halos of doom, dressed in black, shrouded in gloom, we are superheroes with X-ray vision that confine themselves to the collision of mundane experience with petty power and everyday yellow press trash towers, preferring the security of a regular job and saving the world from a lynch mob. all evil with a toss of our heads, shapeshift to wizards, take dragons to bend. It's all at the tip of our tongue, not the sword, but we ignore our capacities of the unexplored. Kryptonite rays ablaze in our hearts and instead trail the dull shine of phone and computer parts. The complex lies of apes that revise truth as an advertised Bluetooth phone booth. We are superheroes in turmoil, thrashing and crying and trapped in the mortal coil.
is Bob, original surfer, mashup Coco Anzu, aka Magic One, Ding Dong. I'm not going to come back and think, because they don't know Bob, that you know Bob, original surfer. <laughs> Show. We just heard Ace of Spades at the beginning. Oh, you want me to say this? Music. Yeah, yeah. The the living room. Then we had Model Home, brand new album from Model Home. Can't be scared. A Garden of Sounds, uh, May eighth, twenty twenty, from Bob Marsh there in Pueblo, Colorado. Uh, Sabado Gigante, uh, Elmo Kirkwood, uh, the son of uh, Kirk Kirkwood, the meat puppet. Well, he is a meat puppet member now. Agnes Steck after that from Austin, clocking on the hive. Meniscus, uh, brand new from Daniela Di Picciotto out of Berlin with Beautiful Creatures, Hands Rotten out of Switzerland with Tritonium, Crust Dweller from Bombus Prendon, that's from D.C. area. And then finally, The Cave, again, from the Culver City Dub Collect. Adam, tell us about this, this trippy version of Ace of Spades that I'm digging. Ace of Spades, the, the great cover by Motorhead. Um, 
we uh, got together in the living room. You, you talked about living room, bedroom kind of yeah, creations. Yeah. We decided to do this project called The Living Room with, with David Rowlicky of Dengue Fever fame. Sure, sure. Danny Frankel. Yeah, uh, drummer man. Drummer man. Um, we Jupiter had has a record where all the songs are called Jupiter. <laughs> That's so cool. I love Danny. Uh, Alfredo man. Ortiz. Ah, uh, uh, Fredo. Yeah, you know Fredo, right? Fuck yeah. Yeah, man. And, from from and, Money Mark days. Oh, dude. Yes, guy. I was such a fan of his of his whole scene and still am. Uh, Chris Bongaloids. Joyner, really great. Pardon? <laughs> Bongaloids. Oh, yeah. The, there's and then, and then I think he's helping uh, uh, Eugene in those uh, crazy gypsy punk band. Yep. Yep, Gogo Bordello. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, he showed up. Chris Joyner, uh, Jeff McElroy, really talented bass player. We would we wanted to do our take of cumbia. So back to ah, like yeah, 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 man. How we talked about regional sounds, reggae yeah, and stuff. Yeah. You know, I always got into cumbia music and cumbia's bitching. I love it, it really is, and and we sort of just did our own take on that, and we did like a, sort of a Caribbean record, and I thought. Let's cover, let's cover something great. So I got a translation of the lyrics, and Raúl Pacheco from Oso Motley showed up. Yeah, great man. Yeah, and we just went into Raleigh's living room in Venice, and we recorded that that joint. So you came know, up. Yuli, their sax man, he's been on a few of my projects. He can blow, man. I mean, all of them. G Dog, I love that man. Dude, have you heard Uli play clarinet? The licorice stick. Yeah, dude. <laughs> no, I haven't, but I, I bet you can handle it. It's beautiful. Oh, man. So tell me about the first gig that you did in front of people. You know, uh, a talent show. There was a talent show in junior high, and it, I was so nervous. Yep. But it was great. It was great. You just getting out there and doing it and just and just just kind of being vulnerable in front of all your peers. It was a that was that was a good performance. I did a couple like solo expressionistic things when I was in eighth and ninth grade. And then in high school, we played some dances and teen dances and and that. And those were all really just exciting and music had a different thing back then because now there's a DJ culture, there's a sound system, and live music, you know, drums, guitars, amplifiers, it doesn't have the same impact. But but way back then, if you had some humans playing through amplifiers and basses and guitars and drums, that in itself had an impact. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's uh, Eric B. and Rakim tune called move the crowd mm -hmm. <laughs> that's what it's yeah. about move the crowd yeah yeah you know you know what i mean it's it's a visceral it's a feeling thing it's, it's a visceral feeling thing and it had an even great i believe it had an even greater impact because the context of a of a sound system and dj culture and i love i love hip-hop and electronic music but it's changed the way people receive music. So back then, you play a dance. Just the fact that you were all playing songs live was was a mind blower back then. And and those were really 
powerful experiences, the, the way you could, you could just send music out to people and have them receive it and be joyful. That connection was so great. You know, I starting in cover bands was sort of the diamond lane to musical joy. What got challenging was when I started playing original music because there you're having to kind of sell people on new stuff. If you're playing someone else's song, they're like, oh, they're playing a Doors song. I love the Doors. Let's get out there. You're you're riding on someone else's coattails. But the big challenge came when I got into different indie bands and you try to present original material and get people on your side. So that's really well. Some, well, isn't it like two challenge? First, you got to sell it to the band. Then you got to sell it to the gig goers. Yep, there it is. Now you know, interesting thing, Adam Chico Hamilton could not get songwriting. He he talked about not being able to get songwriting credits, you know, in the '60s, and he was the band leader. Yeah. You know, this idea where drummers can't write music—what's that about? Yeah, that's that's so odd. I forced myself into it. I forced myself into it for the longest time. I really and joyfully looked at a drum kit as a an accompanying instrument. The word side guy has is like a pejorative. <laughs> But uh, I I was quite happy to support a song, things of that nature, but got to be where I felt like I wanted to know that my choosing to support other songwriters was just that, a choice. If I wanted to write my own material, I could. And I'm really glad I was encouraged. My good friend Marilo, who plays bass, always pushed me to write material, and, and I just insisted on it but that came a lot later i'll tell you well it's much, a, respect, a much respect to merlo uh, yeah. adam we're at the end of the first hour january 20 2021 edition pedro show special guest adam topol hold time for hour two january 20 2021 it's the second hour of the watt for pedro show
standing on a dead end street. I just arrived from the coast. Along came the man who invented the paper clip. He was eating, eating some Melba toast. He asked me if I was from Abilene. I said, No, no, I'm from Kankakee. A body builder looked a hell of a lot like me. Hell of a lot like me. I said, friend, I never built, I never built nobody. But I once knew a little girl from Peru. Daddy was the hangman for the child you ran. Now living, living in Kathmandu. He said, Well, well, now, ain't it a small world? See, I once knew a little girl from Bombay. She danced for the mayor of Pittsburgh. On Tanzanian Independence Day Tanzanian Independence Day Then we realized We had a mutual friend Ah, but it wasn't it a crying shame Neither one of us remember his face Plus we couldn't remember his name So he says, hey, hey brother, let's go get a drink I said, how's about, how's about three or four Should I tell you what? We'll order by a couple of hundred, then we'll, we'll order up a couple more, we'll order up a couple more. So the two of us saddled up to the bar. I said, hey, bartender, two beers. He said, hey, bartender, I'll have two beers, too. And some earplugs for my ears. So the barkeep says, hey, why the long face? And by the way, what would you need those plugs? But my friend just pulled out an egg and a frying pan He said, this is your brain, this is your brain on drugs This is your brain on drugs Well, it must have been a 
o'clock in the morning oh, When we stumbled and glided out of the place We agreed there'd never been There'd never been a better time To be a member of the human race Of eight track tapes. I gave him a ticket to fight. He said, Please come see me in a gay Paris and bring a cupcake when you have a chance. When you have a chance, a cupcake, if you have a chance.
So I congratulated the dead. Girls grizzle, sheep's head bay. Dad didn't do things the traditional way. Didn't do birthdays, Halloween. Come December, would always make the scene. He'd say to that old town Christmas, like that old town Christmas. Any other time, might not stand in line. That old time Christmas. Let's do that old time Christmas. Mr. Davis, the man was mean. Had the most unpleasant dog you've ever seen. And he would dust off that ladder once a year. Put up those lights and spread that old Christmas cheer. He'd say, Give me that old time That old town Christmas Politics and perfect long Once a year let's get along Give me that old town Christmas Let's do that old town Christmas Second chances and shopping mall Office parties, unexpected calls Meet the end of that mistletoe Red and green, let's let it go Backed up airports, loading zone When it gets crowded, I prefer to stay at home I got my ticket, don't forget That I haven't missed a single Christmas yet Like that old town Christmas Give me that old Never seems simple, but I jump into the street. Take that old town Christmas. Give me that old town Christmas. Like that old town Christmas. Cinnamon and trees and holiday glee. Give me that old town Christmas. Let's do that old town. For Pedro's show, start off the second hour with the Spout House Band, Spout House, with Butternut, and then Cupcake, When You Have a Chance, from Sam Bennett, Dr. G from Dr. Herman Green, we lost him, 89 years old, Dr. Herman Green out of Memphis with his sax, beautiful man, uh, Ecclesiastes 4-2, Congratulated the Dead, from Jerome Parker Wells out of St. Louis, and then Adam Topol. Old time Christmas. Now this has got your name. It does. Explain, please. 
Well, I think the truest, one of the truest forms of musical expression is when someone actually sings. That's the ultimate, like, courageousness. Um, And I did, I studied lit, and I like storytelling, and I was asked to uh, contribute a song to a Christmas record for my friend Jack Johnson and his label Brushfire Records. And I'll be honest with you, man, I, I'm I'm not the biggest Christmas guy, but uh, I did write like a story about the different perceptions of Christmas, whether people are really in love with Christmas or whether they're not so keen on it and what the holidays brings up. And so I sang and wrote a song about Christmas, different vignettes about it. And, and Cool G Murder, my, my man Rusty, yeah. helped me put it together and kind of did sort of a, I would like to think of it as a Lou Reed Velvet Underground Christmas song sort of thing. And it was really fun to sing and to jot some words down. I, 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 I've had the pleasure of working for so many great songwriters. And that art form... Maybe writing and singing helps me appreciate their badassness even more. <laughs> and and so it's it's just my way of being a better drummer and getting into the mindset of playing a song. And sure. that was opportunity. I, I think that's a righteous uh, perspective to come from, you know, because it's really focusing on what's important instead of all this other side, you were saying side, but a lot of the, that's the heart, man. Get at the spirit of the tune. Yep. What about the Spout House Band? The Sprout House Band, uh, a good friend of ours named Thomas Campbell does these really beautiful surf films. And he has, uh, the imagery is great and the, the music around it is really cool. He 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 focuses in on bands like like Tortoise and Tommy Guerrero. and oh, Tommy. Yeah, beautiful. Skater, bass. Yeah, yeah. Uh, putting some an interesting spin on the on the surf and skate journey. And uh, Thomas had a film called The Sprout, and he needed music, so they got Money Mark together with Tommy Guerrero and Jack Johnson, wow. and I jumped in on drums. And Mario, we went to Mario Caldado's. Caldado, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gardena. Yeah, we went to the studio. We just recorded a couple of things. And so this is uh, just sort of a free jam that we did. I think Tommy jumped on bass and Jack was on guitar and Mark played the keys. And we just did a nice kind of light, fun, groove thing that sort of evoked the ocean, I'd say. Yeah, I think Mario's in uh, South America these days. I think he, he does have roots in brazil i think he's here too okay okay Who knows? i know he's cardina gardina him and uh because uh him and money mark had a ska band they told yes. me when they were like high schoolers look i got a tune here that you gave me with your name on it again santa Teresa. yes let's play it
Start off that chunk of music with Adam Topol doing Santa Teresa. Here come the good times from Sam Lock Ward out of Iowa City. Quiet Pig from Italy with Wisconsin. Eternal Returns, Sized Village. And then the Upsetter, Jack Johnson. Did you go to Hawaii? No, he came over here. Oh, with Jack. Uh, I met him here. He had just graduated from UCSB. And that project got a start in Los Angeles, but he spends most of his time in Hawaii, and we recorded that tune at his studio on the North Shore. Wow, great. And tell me about Santa Teresa. That's interesting. 
Santa Teresa is a neighborhood in Rio de Janeiro, and it's really beautiful, cable cars, and I was so touched. We stayed there. I wanted to try to do an instrumental record that paid tribute to people I like, like Wes Montgomery and Horace yeah. Silver. Yeah. And and so Santa Teresa was wasn't a strict bossa nova. It was more. Again, I kind of talk about Horace Silver a little bit, and I was trying to evoke that sort of classic blue note vibe. I love those records so much. And there happened to have been, again, we talk about David Rollicky, who's one of my all time favorite uh, horn guys, helped me with an arrangement. And, and they're such good players like you. And we had Joey Altruda pop in on bass. This guy, Mike Boido play piano, who just, I could barely play when I had heard because I was just hearing him play such beautiful stuff on that. And I I don't get many calls to play straight ahead jazz, but I did decide to initiate. Yeah, because it's got your name on it. You must have been the proj boss, right? The shot caller. I did. I, I did the melodies. Um, Rollicky helped me articulate them into chordal expressions. And you, we just got a group together and played things that evoked... Afro-Cuban jazz, um, soul jazz, between Booker T, between Mongo Santa Maria, between Horace Silver. It was just this experiment I did, maybe putting my own spin on it. Yeah. Wow. And then, like Jack, when you did the upsetter here, you, you've recorded a bunch of stuff with him, right? Yes. Well, why'd you choose this one to play on the show? I always loved that song. I was really proud of him. I always, I love everything he does. He's, he's such a, a brilliant songwriter and a brilliant guy. And he, he made something that was in an odd time signature. It wound up taking on like a Fela-esque sort of vibe. Tony Allen is the great Tony, Tony Allen. Tony Allen. We, we lost him last year, right? Yeah. But he, he kept, Tony was gone for years and years. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk about a national, international treasure, Afrobeat and Tony Allen and Fela. So that's this song's sort of special, and I wanted to champion it. You've got such cool taste, and and I just thought you'll play him that. And I don't ever hear the upset on the radio. It seems like it's one of those songs that I love so much that that's around, but I don't hear much of it. So I just thought I would unearth it a little bit. And it did highlight an odd meter and just a groove that I thought made me feel good. What, what about odd meter? Is it? I mean, there's a challenge, right? You want to grow. But then there's this other side like, man, I got to feel it if I'm going to play it good. Yeah. Ain't, ain't that the I, dilemma? <laughs> yeah. And I'm a drummer. So we normally nerd out on that stuff. Uh, Especially some of these younger guys, they, they do this stuff called math rock. Man, it can yeah. be tough. <laughs> yeah. God, God bless them. I, I always revert back to maybe the stacks, people, <laughs> Studio One people, or the... Yeah, of course. Or... or well, I know. tell these guys, you know, John Coltrane never played 13-4. <laughs> no, he did not. He did not. He... 
I heard a lot of beautiful things in three four or yeah, six, or six four, eight or yeah or four. But it's mainly four four with that bebop stuff. Where they uh, experimented was more with the cording and the harmonics. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But as far well, as these weird trippy things, and that that was down the road with the Cap Beefheart <laughs> prog yes. and shit. But I have a feeling with Beefheart, and I'm not an authority at all. But I have a feeling with him, he was just. He just heard something that way. It was like a painting that with a certain splatter. I don't think, I just think that stuff seems, came out organically. Yeah, I don't think it's that cerebral either. And, and you know, he ended up painting. So, so I, I totally agree with you, Ev. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and also the way he composed, right? He would just bang out something on a piano or do it with his mouth. or with mm -hmm. a, Yeah, yeah. And then the, 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 the band guys would kind of like interpret that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, but then it was all grounded in blues in Hallam. You know, he sang like Hal Wolf and him and Frank Zappa, right? His boys just listened to blues, blues, blues. Yeah. So it was grounded in something. It wasn't all in the mind. And like, if you're talking about blues, like he he was one of those guys that I really felt like he sold the blues. Doing blues is such a dangerous. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a dangerous game because so much of that stuff is about the feeling the behind it. Absolutely. So much of it. Because the technically speaking, it's – I'm not saying it's easy, but but you can get to it quickly. But what – the difference between, you know, Bo Diddley's song and maybe someone doing a cover is so great. The people that deliver it right just – just give you goosebumps and and i feel like beefheart really felt felt it and delivered it in a way that's like yep you, you know the mic distorting kind of thing sure and then, then you can tell it's him too at the same time it's not total tribute right look yeah. we're at the end of the second hour january 20 2021 dishwap peter show special guest adam topol hold tight for our free January 20, 
lovely, tall and tan, young and lovely, tall and tan, and young and lovely, tall and tan, and young and lovely. Thank <laughs> you.
Show we start off the third hour with Ritmo Encanto, yeah, rhythm and songs. The album version, I guess. I guess there's more than one version of this. Uh, Ooh, baby, that's right, from a Pedro party in '93 with the late great Richard Derek Crane. Well, Crane's still with us. Uh, Tollum, Vlamis, Green Hill, and Kim with Zero One. Some improv right there. The World Infernal Friendship Society, American Mercurial. And finally, Brazil. Again, Adam Topol. Thank you so much for giving me your own, uh, these tunes on your own name. I mean, the biggest mistake the Minutemen ever made was having George Hurley in the back. He should have, you know, last 20 years, I've always had my drummers downstage. I mean, it's rhythm music. Why have them in the back on top of a cake, you know? Have them up front stage, be the heart. Oh, and Hurley, too. He deserves it. Oh, what yeah. what a what a great guy, man! I just heard a. I love I love podcasts and radio shows like yours. He just did a really cool podcast uh, a while back on my friend Joe Wong's podcast. Joe Wong, yeah, I had him on the show. We got to give respect to Stevie Stevie Bono people. He made the connects with Dustin and Adam here. And yeah, yeah, he, Georgie was on his show. So, but, yep. but, but but did you do? 
is there some connection between this Brazil tune and and, and then the uh, Santa Teresa? None. None. Okay. None whatsoever. I was sort of channeling like a Lee Perry upsetters sort of uh, clash kind of thing here in Brazil. So the lyrically, everybody has their Brazil. You know, when I think of Brazil, not from the Brazil that I actually know, where it's a really beautiful, complicated place, but the Brazil, the brochure Brazil, where you're looking at Copacabana <laughs> and, and really beautiful people and incredible food. And as just the notion, if you're coming from a songwriting perspective, you're talking about like somebody saying, well, Worst comes to worst, I'll just leave. I'll leave this crazy city and I'll leave all my circumstances behind and I'll just go to this beautiful place and start over. So the the song, the chorus is everybody has their Brazil. Yeah. And in the back of my in the back of my mind, I always think, worst case, I'm going to do this. I'll go there and everything will be different. And so the song really dealt with. Uh, people making peace with their lives as they are versus maybe wanting to escape and become something different. And so that's a lyrically based, although the drums, I was doing some, some one drop and stuff. Yeah. Lyrically speaking, it would sub, it's a song about an inner journey. Okay. That, that's, that's bitching. I mean, you know, to speak from the heart like that and Ritmo Encanto, Encanto. Mm -hmm. Ritmo Encanto was a project that I did uh, a while back that paid tribute to the incredible Afro-Cuban folkloric music that really shaped the foundation of, of drumming everywhere. Uh, Makuta, Makuta is a rhythm that I got to learn when I went over to Cuba a few times. And we did a version, it's, it's a beautiful dance rhythm it's just vocals and drums and it has different chants and, and the men and women do this really beautiful dance together. And I was really excited to do a whole record of Afro-Cuban music, just showing my respect. The singer was Teresita Dome Perez and her, she has family lineage to some of the great uh, Cuban folkloric groups like uh, Afro-Cuba de Matanzas and the Muñequitos de Matanzas. But again, back to this whole regional thing, you know, doing doing a salute project like that from Los Angeles, we weren't trying to copy them at all as much as just like tell people like there's this thing happening in, in Cuba and it's been happening a long time. And these people are doing some beautiful stuff that that changed the face of music. When you, you've talked about John Coltrane and, and Spun Coltrane, you know, yeah, Elvin, man, Elvin. He had such a take, a beautiful take on Latin syncopation. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the beepoppers got into it. Last time I saw Diz, he was playing one-man trumpet, but he was mm -hmm. bringing in that stuff. He had a dashiki on and was bringing in this Afro. Yeah, there, uh, I think in the 60s there was an awakening that way that, of the connect. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. know? Uh, here's another tune, Adam Topol tune, Scappy the Fisherman. Soy pescador salvaje del mar, 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 mar.
Cuando besamos, feel so strange like I never felt any kind of kiss before. Nos abrazamos, dance so slow, but I never guessed we'd share this kind of love. This empty night, this quiet room, these empty glasses, love to soon falling secrets on my sleep. Pedro Show, last music for this edition. We start to chunk off with Scappy the Fisherman, Adam Topol, then Pineapple Empress out of South London with movement, movementism. <laughs> Tim Holhouse, woven, same parts. Uh, Don of the Double, this is Emmett Kelly and Jim White. Jim White's a great drummer man, Australian Ooh. cat from the uh, Dirty Three. Oh, I is, love the D3. Yeah. I heard him play with Cat Powers. Oh, right. Jim was playing. Yep, yep. And Judah was on guitar from uh, John Spencer. Dawn of the Double, part two of four. Emmett Kelly with Jim White. And then finally, Kwando. Adam Topol. When? Yeah. Uh, you know, I heard in Cuba, there's a kind of mentorship when you, you're learning, you know, the tumba, the conga, the cajon, all this. And at first, they put you on the fucking clave, right? Yep. Until you're ready. It's like with a sous, right? You're going to be cleaning knives until you're ready to move up. And there you can is. be on clave for years. Dude, the clave is the hardest part. Yeah, you yeah, heard yeah. Those guys syncopate. I don't know where the fucking one is. <laughs> when they really get into playing rumba over there and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's so hard. I, I can, clave is so important. Definitely. And they, and they sing 
really complicated rhythms while playing the clave and the group follows the clave. That's just an art form. Wow. Wow. So you, you, you do have to just train, kind of train with them, right? Or the learning is in the doing. Yeah, man. I'm still training. I'm still training. <laughs> there are guys like Danny Frankel. Yeah. That his beauty is that he can take those sentences, those rhythmic sentences and weave them into his own deal and sure. not get so hung up on the traditional rules. Yeah. That was so great. You know, Danny comes to my house sometimes and we just play. And he always reminds me of that, that I can get really kind of bogged down. You talked about the mentoring and the traditions yeah. because I maybe go a little bit more in depth with the, with that strict tradition of the, the Bata and the Congas and stuff. Danny will remind me that not just with Afro-Cuban music, but if you respectfully take bits from, from different sources and, and make them your own. And again, with respect, you know, because some of that stuff's religious and you, you hold it sacred, but the stuff that that's okay to use, he uses in his own way. And it's, so it's such a nice reminder of, of respecting the tradition and learning it, but then making cool shit, you know? Sure, sure, sure. It's like you're going to write a novel. Maybe you don't invent any words. You yeah. use words everybody else is using, but you could still have a very original novel. Yeah, and back to maybe showing you some, some sincere love and respect. You're, when I've heard you talk about music, your message has really been about creativity and making stuff making stuff that's original and expressive expressive and i think about that a lot i think about that a lot it's it's really difficult to straddle the fence we talk about elvin jones we talk about carlton barrett or jim white or fred Belu of the so many great drummers that just had such a definitive sound the challenge that i always have to face is maybe loving what they're about but not copying them. And it's so tough because I'm such a fan of so many of these great drummers. And I, I do feel like you've, you've really made a point of being you. There's no, you're the you you in the world. There's no one you than you. And, I, and <laughs> that's always something to remember. But Adam, I also think you got a conscience. That's why you're worried about that kind of thing. Instead of that's, being just a rape and pillager, you know? Yeah, I suppose so. It's an important thing is I get to be an older person. Less younger, less younger. Less younger, man. <laughs> uh, I, I think about that stuff more and more and more and more honor these people that, that, that have a voice. So, and then I work around people that are, that are sincerely individualistic and they still know how to connect to people. At the end of the day, a musician hopefully will want to connect you know, we want his art to land or a poem to land or whatever. Sure. And it's so easy to to use an idea that that someone else used when they landed it. And you get that initial payoff and you might get you might make rent, so on and so forth. So it's a real challenge to try to come up with something from a from a from your your heart. So that's always the goal. Great, great stuff. I got to tell you, Adam, such an honor to have you on the show. Thank you so much for coming on. And when you yeah. get some new Adam Topo music, will you come back on the show? We can play it and talk about it. Word. Okay. 
People, it's been a January 20, 2021 edition. Why people should keep your powder dry.